This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. It's Friday, October 27th. This is episode 42. That's Zach Hedrick. I'm Matt Roy. Busy week in, in sports in Texas. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. We got almost the sports equinox going on here. Almost. Is it going to happen on Monday? I think so, yeah. I think start. I think we got hockey, NFL, basketball, and baseball all on Monday. And that's pretty much it, That's I the guess. equinox. It, I, we, it'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because it won't happen on the weekend. We got like the, the half equinox on Tuesday because the mm-hmm. Phillies and Diamondbacks were playing, but we didn't have NFL. We had college football. Mm-hmm. We had Conference USA, so we had like the half equinox, yeah, I guess. Kinda. I mean, I guess we can count it. Yeah. It's it's rare, but it's all yeah. good. We'll count it. We'll count it. Uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, Rangers in the World Series, Cowboys coming back from their bye week, Wemby mania in full swing now. Finally got to see him on the court. But as always, we will start with the number game. This is probably our easiest one that we'll ever have. Number 42. There is only one. Yeah. Jackie it's, Robinson it's Jackie in discussion. Robinson. That's it. Kind of like almost like Gail Sayers. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like there's just there's only one. I, how bad do you feel though for Mariano Rivera? Like no one's ever going to remember well, that and, he was but, 42. He's well, just best closer I, in the game. I think so. I mean, you know, people will remember him, but he was grandfathered in yeah. to to wearing that number. But I mean, sure, Jackie Robinson's career played 10 years. You know, went to six World Series, won one for the Dodgers, the the Brooklyn Dodgers back then. Mm-hmm. But also to, I mean. Jackie's my guy because, like, I remember doing a book report on him back in elementary school, <laughs> dressed up, uh, you know, had had my Dodger blue on and everything, you know. So I read that autobiography back then, have the copy now and still read it. And just his life is so amazing, you know, being in the Army, a second lieutenant commissioned officer and everything, of course, the court martial and everything, but was acquitted of all that. And it, it's because he stood up for what he believed in back then. That's what he did after his career and everything did so much. He was a businessman, you know, doing chock full of nuts, but also founding a bank in Harlem. And I mean, absolutely. His life is fascinating. Yeah. Breaking the color barrier. I mean, there's just, there's only one forty-two. There's a reason that his numbers retired in all through all of baseball. baseball. Yep. I mean, that's a rare, rare air to be in. There's, mm-hmm. It's not Babe Ruth. It's not any of those guys. It's it's Jackie Robinson retired. So, yep. props to Mariano though. Best closure in the game. No, ever. well, and he's he's probably number two on the list of of forty two. Yeah, if, if you would ask me, honestly, um, I didn't even look. I was just like Jackie Robinson, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, yeah, Jack Jackie's great. I mean, I, you know, I I always just love reading about him and just what he stood for and. You know, just kind of how he, you know, it's not that he was stubborn. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, he was, I'm sure, at times and everything, but he he would still listen to people and take in their, you know, okay, what's your viewpoint? And, you know, he would engage in dialogue with people that that disagreed with him. So, yeah, no, he was a not enough can be said about him. And then props to also Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace for playing him in the movie. Mm -hmm. So. Let's get to today's lineup. So, like we said, a lot going on. Cowboys at the Rams in Jerry World on Sunday. We got uh, Zach's Rangers taking on the Diamondbacks starting tonight. We got UTSA playing East Carolina and some 
different things going on in the UTSA um, kind of funding aspect of it that I wanted to, to chat with a little bit. We got mm -hmm. Longhorns playing a scrappy BYU team and Kidon Slovis with uh, Quinn Ewers out. But first, obviously, we have to talk about the seven foot four elephant in the room. <laughs> uh, Wemby, start, well, the Wemby era started on Wednesday. Um, We'll see him again tonight. Obviously, this is kind of a weird scheduling thing where the Rockets are playing in Frostbank Center for like the third time in the last 11 right. days, uh, two of those in the preseason. Uh, Wemby's debut, he had 23 minutes, 15 points, five rebounds, two assists, one block, five turnovers. Those 23 minutes pretty much because of foul trouble on Wednesday. Um, he almost led the team to a comeback win in the fourth quarter, though, until Luka started being Luka and uh, really solidified that win. But were you encouraged, discouraged, kind of in the middle on, on the debut on you, Wednesday? You have to be encouraged. I mean, sure, the foul trouble, that's one thing, but that's going to happen. Um, at shoot-around today, I think Zach Collins mentioned that, where it's just kind of like, it's an adjustment period. Like, yeah, he's going to learn, but also the refs are seeing something new that they haven't seen the first time. They're seeing a seven foot four guy move right. on the court, and it's like, yeah, this is going to be an adjustment period for everybody. But really encouraged, especially that that stretch that he had in the fourth quarter coming in around the seven-minute mark. And then I think he scored like nine straight points or something like that where he really kind of took over the game a little bit, like you said. Looked like he was going to lead him to a comeback win. So it's going to be really exciting to see now as far as the Rockets playing them for the third time in the, you know, right. however, like too many we two weeks, whatever the span is. Preseason, regular season, different kind of energy. Keldon talked about that today. Yeah, sure, we played them. We know them. But preseason and regular season two completely different energies and and gamesmanship levels and everything yeah it was it was just kind of weird to gauge how Wemby adjusted and how the whole Spurs team adjusted to um the regular season because like you couldn't get a flow you couldn't get a rhythm no it's yeah. like every single time he was on the floor it was three minutes and then a, a foul happened and so they had to pull him back out right so it was kind of a killjoy to be honest with you with the nationally televised game and all the eyes on San Antonio, I think it was like 2.7 million views on, on ABC or ESPN or whatever network it was on. Most like, watch opening night game in 11 years. Yeah. like Wimby effect. That's the draw. And you have the <laughs> refs that just took over with some ticky-tack fouls and stuff. Like, they were fouls. I'll, sure. Yeah. No, not discounting fouls. that. Yeah. Not discounting that they were fouls. But, I mean, come on. Like, let's let them, let them play a little bit. You know what I mean? But it's just – it was kind of hard to gauge – how Wemby was adjusting and how the team is going to look all season because of that foul trouble. Right. And sure. Frustrating on, on that point and frustrating for him. Obviously, I think you could kind of tell that in his post game comments, you know, just kind of like, yeah, just couldn't get into a flow, but handled it. Well, it's a learning experience. It's a learning experience for that entire team because yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, we've played together. We, we practiced during the summer, but in a game, it's it's an entirely different situation. So they're finding themselves, and you know it's it's going to pick up, I'm sure. And you finally got to see like him free up a little bit when he did switch to the five, when he did jump center a little bit in the in the fourth quarter. He was against Derek Lively. You kind of saw like how he can take advantage of those bigger guys instead mm -hmm. of playing against guys like Grant Williams, who he was matched up against throughout his first like 16 minutes when he was in foul trouble. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how Pop sees that and sees that and adjusts and, and kind of figures out, okay, maybe we do play him at center every now and then just right. so he can play against those bigger Rudy Gobert's or Nikola Jokic's or, or Derek Lively's who are, who are pretty big dudes and, and athletic, but nowhere near as skilled or, 
or agile as Victor is. It's all fluid right now. Yeah. You know, it's it, the first 10, 15 games, they're going to be moving pieces around and, okay, who, who's who's progressing and what we're asking them to do, who who needs a little bit more work, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's all experimentation right now. I mean, yes, you want to win games as early as possible, and they will. Uh, so it, it's going to be fun. Watch tonight. Yeah. The only thing that I thought that starting lineup lacked was a little bit of outside shooting. Like Devin is a really good knockdown uh, three-point shooter. Keldon can shoot on occasion. Wemby can shoot on occasion. Obviously, he, his first four shots were from three-point range. Mm -hmm. But you kind of need that 45% three-point shooter in your starting lineup sometimes. You know, like the old Spurs had Danny Green or, you know, whoever. Insert three-point shooter here. Um to stretch the floor, it didn't look like there was. There's a knockdown three-point shooter. I mean, Shohan obviously can't really be that guy right now either. Yeah, and I don't. You know, maybe they'll find that person. I don't know. Devin Devin really started off hot. I mean, they they ended the first quarter with what forty-three points, and mm -hmm. that, that was the most that they scored yeah, in the that first. Ridiculous. So, uh, you know, it, it wasn't for lack of you know being able to shoot the ball. Devin Vassell is going to be. He, he's after Wimby. He's the most guy that I'm interested in watching oh, yeah. and, and just seeing what his season's going to look like and everything. Uh, with with that big lineup, you know, it's like, but even Zach Collins, I mean, I see him shoot, practice the three ball at practice every time I'm there. So mm -hmm. it's like they have guys that can do it. Now, yeah, it would be nice to have a guy that's close to that 50% clip, right. you know, because then it's like, yeah, it's a real shooting threat. We can't leave that guy alone. But, um, you know, that's not, I don't to me, it doesn't seem like the Spurs' approach to get that one guy that they rely on. It's the whole team, and and you know, it's it's the beautiful game of just moving the ball around and and finding the open guy. I do like Trey Jones coming off the bench, though. He brought a really good energy whenever he came into the game. He was he was just kind of bringing the the uh, the energy is a, a for lack of a better term. He was bringing everything that they needed off the bench. And that's what Pop, yeah, no, Pop said that exact same thing yeah, after the exactly. game. It was just, yeah, no, he's a winner, and that's what we're looking for coming off the bench is is that kind of, you know, spark plug. And, and I really like, I, I felt like almost it's, you, we never do know what Pop is, is saying to the guys on the bench and stuff. Right. But whenever you saw Trey make a, you know, full court pass or, or a three-quarter court pass down to the other end, you know, to the offensive end, you saw him like turn to Jeremy and, and it's almost kind of like, hey, look, th th that's what you need to do as a point guard. You need to be having your head up and surveying the floor and pushing the ball. So then that way we can, you know, get out and run. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of see how deep this team's going to be too. Malachi Branham played a lot. Bassey played a lot. But that might have been just because Wemby was in foul trouble yeah. and Zach Collins and stuff like that. Shetty Osman played a lot. Doug McDermott played a lot. You get, And you have guys like... Julian Champagny and Barlow and Blake Wesley that didn't even play and those are guys who we think can get a good, good little run in in midseason when you need that depth so you see the depth of this team as well yeah. when you have the guys like that who didn't even touch the court right I I think I would I think Julian Champagny of the, of the names that you mentioned he's probably first off that list to, sure. to get in there for sure um Dom Dom and and Blake you know they'll still need some more time they're they're going to get their minutes you know eventually like you said because of just the depth issue but you know again it's early it's game one of 82 you know we got game two tonight so it's i'm i'm really interested to see what he does for his encore performance yeah and you have Devonte graham who's suspended by the league right now he'll come back and probably get a little bit of run every now that and could then, so. be your three-point guy you that go, you're exactly. asking for 
who's you know just waiting on the wing or in the corner you know and and just the sharpshooter yeah and the best thing about having these nationally televised games and having so many eyeballs on the spurs and on Wemby is because the other guys get that attention too i don't think anybody realized how much of a bucket devin vassell is until you get your you 2.7 million eyes on him and you're like okay wow he actually is really good which is one of the smartest things that the spurs did all off season was re-signing him yeah. before you have all these nationally televised games so now you know he's locked in and people are like damn he's a he's a bargain at what they got him for yeah and you know we saw it last season too you just you never saw him play with anybody else because they were you know when when he was on the floor Keldon was not you know and it was so it was kind of frustrating I'm sure from from a fan standpoint you want to see your guys play together but now that he's fully healthy and and he's playing with other guys you know it's it's going to be fun to see what he can do and of course just give the ball to Victor let him draw two or three guys and then you know feed it to Devin yeah and it's it's going to be weird when you look at the stat sheet like you did on Wednesday and your uh top leading three-point shooter was Victor Wembanyama at seven foot four so it's always kind of it's going to take a while to just adjust to looking at stat lines too yeah got it and from everything that I'm hearing from like all the national you know just great looking shot you know and yeah. and just so he he's he's translated you know it's going to take some time there's a learning curve still uh but he's he's going to be quick on the uptake yeah there was nothing more annoying Thursday morning though then waking up and looking at whatever insert talk show here mm -hmm. and the headline or, or lower third reading goat status. And like, is he <laughs> like, can we all just stop with this putting, you Wendy? know how that works. But it's Come so on. dumb. I know like, I, just... I'm right there with you. No, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the most tired and easy take you can have it's... is like just talk, having a goat conversation after the dude's yeah. first game. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of blame, you know social media and, and phone culture you know for that because it's you know everybody wants to be kind of the first to say it and stuff and now it's just well it's it's one game of however many he's gonna play hopefully thousands yeah. of games you know it's who knows uh but yeah it you know it is frustrating but yeah you know it's like let's wait and see yeah the Spurs don't want to skip any steps we don't need to skip any yeah. steps either it's just so tired I woke up and I was like LeBron's in his 21st year, and we're still debating if he's the GOAT. Can we all just chill for a little <laughs> bit? Like, dude had 15 points. He has about 39,000 to go until he gets to LeBron. He's got thousands of assists and thousands of blocks and everything. Let's just, yep. just chill. Just yep. I, I wanted to be like Aaron Rodgers. R-E-L-A-X. <laughs> relax. All right. Well, let's get to the World Series. Um Astros, or excuse me, I put Astros and Rangers. I meant Diamondbacks. Oh. I meant Diamondbacks and Rangers uh, leading off tonight, uh, Friday. This is Friday in at Globe Life. It's going to be 7.03, first pitch. It's going to be Uvalde against Zach Gallen. Great pitching matchup. What, I mean, it's going to be a good series. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't like this whole narrative that's going around right now as well that's like, the Diamondbacks don't deserve to be here because it's like, well, no, they just beat, they just beat the second best team in the NL. Yeah. They have smoked everybody in their way. They beat the team that's pretty much built for the postseason in the Phillies, mm -hmm. taking both games in Philly to get here. It's like they deserve to be here just as yeah, much as anybody when, else. When, when you beat the defending 
National League champs twice on the road in their place. Yeah, no, you deserve third all-time matchup of, of both wildcard teams making it. I think it is, you know, third World Series that we've had this happen. Uh, people will make all the, you know, talk of, oh, it's the lowest win total between these, you know, uh, whatever. They got here, they made it. It's it's two teams we're going to see. I, I think the D-backs, you know, they're really going to play some small ball. Uh, Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte are, are guys that are, are really make the engine room go for them. Uh, Christian Walker is a big bat for the D-backs. But both these teams play great defense. They've got some good starting pitching. The D-backs bullpen has really come on for them, especially you know in this last month and yeah. during this postseason run, obviously. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty even matchup between these two. Just looking at it on paper, I'm going to give us just in it, and it's not a homer thing. I'm just saying you give it maybe a slight edge to the Rangers just yeah. offensively. Oh, for sure. When you're looking at all the players, but again, the the D-backs, it's they're they're a scrappy team, and it's it's almost a little bit like the 0-4 Red Sox, where it's just hey, why not us? You know, yeah. it's like we made it in here. Let's see what happens. Well, and it, I don't think it's any, it's it's like anything against the D-backs to say like. The Rangers have a better lineup. The yep. Rangers probably have a better starting rotation. One through nine. I, I starting rotation maybe if, yes. If, during may, I, I would maybe give it a flip up. One through one through five. Yes, I would say maybe the Diamondbacks are a little more top heavy. Merrill Kelly, who, and I'm not going to like discount my biases here. I'm a I'm a NL. Uh, I'm a Diamondbacks guy in the NL. Like I I love the Diamondbacks because of Tori Lavello and Cattell Marte, who mm-hmm. I, who I interviewed when I covered uh, spring ball down there and. The Merrill Kelly trade uh, when they got Merrill Kelly for Paul Goldschmidt and everyone cursed Merrill Kelly and Carson <laughs> Kelly's names. And it's just like, anyway, but Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, they're two great starting pitchers. I yep. mean, you're going to you're going to have them at least four times. And I wouldn't be surprised if this gets to a game six or seven. You're going to see him again. Yeah, they're good so. counters for Evaldi and Montgomery, who yeah. are, you know, the top two guys for the Rangers right now. Um it's it's going to be fun tonight just seeing who goes the longest in this pitching matchup who can who can get to the bullpen first um but that that Diamondbacks bullpen from what I saw in that NLCS series they've got guys that can shorten that game when you only have to get what is it um you know gosh 21 outs yeah. because the 8th and ninth inning are are shut down you know it's yeah, like well Pat Sewell, the, the guy that they got from Seattle was yeah. a, what a great pickup by mm-hmm. uh, by Hazen their GM over there i mean it was f- phenomenal what they've done with that back end of that uh that bullpen and then their lineup all just kind of plays off one another like christian walker you have who's just gonna who's like adelise garcia is just gonna bang one out whenever you get one big power back and then you got uh corbin carroll's gonna steal every base he can like i mean it's just their lineup has come alive so much it it makes you wonder how they lost 78 games in a in a regular season yeah it's i mean it's just kind of tough streaks here and there you know um i think I remember hearing somewhere it's like they had an eight-game losing streak sometime during the regular season. The Rangers had one just as bad where it was like they were losing for a week or if not longer. I think it might have been like seven, eight, nine games, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. I, it, it, My memory doesn't uh, recall right at the moment, but it's, it's... It's like right in the beginning of August, I thought. Yeah, it, it, somewhere in, in that August stretch. So that that's crazy to me that you have two teams that you know hit a bad skid you know, during the regular season, but yet here they are in the playing for it all. The D-backs one was like right around the trade deadline. So they were like, are we going to add? Are we going to sell? Yeah. What do are we, we going to do? Do we not? And yeah. so they picked it. So they, they 
weren't huge buyers, but they bought those little pieces. They bought the closer and they didn't send that much away. They bought the setup man. They didn't send that much away. They added a bat here and there. You, you add, um, Tommy Pham and you, you just buy all these little glue guys. And mm-hmm. now you have a, a ship that's all glued together and is yeah. trucking along towards, towards a world series championship. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be a great series. I really do. There's a lot of people that think it's going to be a short series, no matter which way it goes. I don't see it that way. I think it's a six or seven gamer, um, no matter who wins it. Um, but that brings us to who's winning. Looking at everything, and it's tough. I'm with you on the six game. I think maybe it goes five, five or six, somewhere in there. Um just the way the Rangers took that ALCS game seven, you know, that's that is a scary lineup. And when all of those guys are going like that, is is Adolis Garcia is the streakiest of them all. But if if that has got him in the right mode, where he's hitting along with Simeon and Seeger, who had had better at bats in game sixes in, in game six and seven, if they're clicking at the right time, look out. You know, they, they could put up double-digit runs just like they were all the regular season. So I think the Rangers will take it. I think it goes six. Um, so it, it will go to Arizona, which luckily, though, we don't have to worry about rainouts or anything like that. Both stadiums have roofs. I mean, yeah, you got to open them up, though, in Arizona. <laughs> I mean, we got to get the nice October it's Octo- air, man. It's, yeah, it's October. It's it's not a billion degrees out. Yeah. Uh, man, I wish I could go to those games in Arizona. This coach, <laughs> Coach's Corner, by the way, is a uh, bar that I worked at right outside of uh, Chase Field. Literally on the corner right next, like you walk across the street and there's the field. It so it's like the it's like the Caskin flag in Boston. Exactly. It used to be called Coach's Corner. It was purchased like my senior year or my my last year at ASU, and now it's called Crown's Public House. So go visit Crown's Public House if anyone is uh, in at Chase Field for games three, four, five. Um, that being said, it's go to me. It's going to come down to the third pitcher. It's going to come down to Brandon Fott against uh, Max Scherzer. Who wins Game Three? I think wins the series. Um, and, and the way that goes, who wins Game Six? I think mm-hmm. wins the series. So. If Brandon Fott can pitch like he did against the Phillies, I think that Arizona will win. Um, if Max Scherzer can have any semblance of being Mad Max, I think the Diamond or that that the Rangers will win. That being said, I think this is a Rangers in seven kind of series. Yeah, um, just kind of like they did. They're gonna have they're gonna have those games where the bats go cold, mm-hmm. and the. Like the the Diamondback pitching is so good that you're going to have a game where it's four two, Diamondbacks. Maybe two of those games where it's five two three two something like that for the Diamondbacks. So whether that's tonight, whether that's Monday, I don't know when it'll be, but you're going to have a couple of games like that. So I think it's going to be six or seven for the Rangers. I I would err on the side of seven though. Mm-hmm. Either way, I think it's going to be a great series between two pretty evenly matched teams. Um, which is surprising to say as the D-backs come in with a negative run differential on the season. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a upside-down thing. And, of course, everybody, I, you know, I, I remember hearing Bruce Bochy being asked, you know, oh, some people are saying this is an exciting series because, you know, it's, it doesn't have that big heavyweight, heavyweight team. And it's just like, like we were talking about earlier, Bochy was just kind of like, oh, come on. I mean, it's like we both these teams 
have played and earned their spot to be here. So it's just like, yeah, it's going to be a good series. What I don't know what everybody's you know complaining about. Yeah, you can't get a better managerial matchup either. Tori Lovello and Bruce Bochy are two old heads that that like to do their thing. I mean, Tori Lovello's kind of steered a little bit more into the analytics, but mm-hmm. Bruce Bochy is a winner through and through, and he's done wonders with this team. Calmest dude ever. I mean, yeah. just it, it seems like everything else could be crumbling all around, and I'm sure <laughs> Rangers fans are just like, come on, Boach, do something. And, you know, he's just kind of sitting there like, all right, you know, let's, I'm going to go with my guy and we'll see what happens. And it's just like, man, I, I aspire to be that calm BP. in a, in a, in a, in a tense baseball situation like that. BP never gets over 50. He's just right here all the oh, time. Man, yeah. Just like what they preach in football, never get too high, never get too low. You're yep. always right here. Right. So, all right. Speaking of football, let's get to the Cowboys and the Rams. So Cowboys coming off a of bye week. Uh, probably the healthiest they've been all year outside of Trayvon Diggs and uh, Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, Tyron Smith popping up on the injury report with a neck uh, a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't see what Jerry said on it uh, about it on 105 The Fan, but he's probably going to play. I mean, he was, yeah. li- he was limited today. So this is probably the healthiest they've been all year, and I uh, expect them to play healthy on, on Sunday. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what the offense looks like coming out of the bye week. Uh, they looked really sharp when they were getting CeeDee Lamb the ball. <laughs> so maybe that's the key, and, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, injury, everybody's healthy, you know. <laughs> Um, as you can be every, every, the season. I'm sure everybody's dealing with, you know, little bumps and stuff and, and you know, little nagging things here and there. Um, you know, Tyler Biotish, that's another guy up on the offensive line that, you know, you kind of worry about a little bit. But Tyron Smith, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about him. He's going to play because it's just, well, he's always on the injury report because he's got something going on. Because uh, he's Tyron Smith. Right. But, <laughs> well, and he's, you know, what, 32, 33, and it's just he, he's entering the twilight of his career just because, I mean, and it's a great career. I'm not discounting that. He's he's done phenomenal. But, yeah, it's just they drafted Tyler Smith for that reason because it's just like, yep, you are the next great left tackle, and we're yeah. going to move you out there as soon as he's done. I'm really interested to see what the offense does, though, because they need to build ahead of steam going into their big matchup with Philly next week. I mean, yeah, it comes down to can the offense move the ball? Yeah. Can the offense put the ball in the end zone? They've proven that they can move the ball on occasion. They've proven that they can get to the red zone. They just haven't proven that they can get the ball in the end zone. Right. And so, and against a, a, a Rams defense, that's a lot better than I think a lot of us expected as they traded Jalen Ramsey this off season and, and Aaron Donald's another year older. They've played with, with their hair on fire for a lot of these games. Yeah. Um, so it's going it's, to, it'll be interesting to see what they look like coming out of the bye week. Are they going to make this offense a little bit more advanced and tar- start taking a few shots down the field? Are they going to try and get Brandon Cook's a little bit more involved? Or are they going to maybe go a little bit more thunder and lightning with Rico Dowdle and see if to- and try and put Tony Pollard back into that, not gadget role, but more of a change of pace kind of role yeah. because that's where he excelled last year. Like, are you going to see all those things? Are you going to continue to lean into Dak's legs like you did against the Chargers? I don't know any of those questions, but there's so many questions on the offense. Yeah, I think we'll maybe see, because Dak was asked about that yesterday, getting into the run game a little bit more, having more designed run plays, not the option for it, because that's that's how he scored that touchdown. He almost, you know, when he pulled it out of Pollard's hand, there was a little loose moment there. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, you know, he, he said, yeah, you know, sure, want to call it more. I, I'm not as fast as I used to be, but, you know, <laughs> if it's there. Surgically repaired ankle. Yeah, too, yeah. yeah, well, and it just, if if you have that, you know, trick up your sleeve, you know, it's something else that the that the defense has to think about. Right now, yeah, it seems like the Cowboys offense, if you take away one or two things, they kind of become one-dimensional, and then defense becomes a whole lot easier in the NFL. So they got to find – they have all the offensive weapons that you can want for. It's that whole proverbial thing. Well, there's only one ball, and you can only spread it around so much. Yeah. Do you think this is kind of a trap game for them, though, with the Eagles on deck next week? Yeah, maybe. Going to Philly? I think so. Uh, and not that they're, they're overlooking it. I mean, to your point of the defense, yes, they lost Jalen Ramsey, but Aaron Donald's still there, and Dak fully cognizant of that. He made sure to bring that up. It's just like, yeah, he is the focus, still the focus. It doesn't matter if he's a year older. It's just like you got to find 99 and you got to protect him and block him up, yeah. which sometimes <laughs> has been an issue for the offensive line. I think, again, just because it's like they haven't been all together for that many games just yet. Hopefully, you know, that bye week, you know, it, it gave them the reps that they needed and, and just that time to you know get that cohesion going sometimes a bye week is exactly what teams need you need a little reset yeah so you, you get those after after a week you get that kind of few four or five days off mm -hmm. to kind of just relax be with your family kind of figure out exactly why you're doing this what you're playing for and all that stuff so a lot of times that can be a nice little reset i hope that it resets them a little bit and gets them out of some bad habits that they've created on the offense as far as the defense goes you have so many people you have to worry about on the uh, Rams offense. I mean, between Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and luckily Kyron Williams is out. Luckily for the for the Cowboys, um, you have so many people you have to worry about. I'm gonna. It'll be interesting to see if they still play more zone or if they go a little bit more man, which they like to do with Deron Bland and Stephon Gilmore. And if you just be like, all right, you two on those two, and we'll handle the rest. Like I don't know how they're gonna how Dan Quinn's gonna do it. But uh, if the defense doesn't set the tone here, I don't know if the offense can uh, set the tone on the other can side. Keep up, yeah. Um, and something that Dan Quinn said after the Chargers game, it's like, look, we needed to get in that situation where it was like, hey, it was it was on us. We needed to be in that tense situation where it's like we had to come up with a play in order to to seal the game, and and they did that. So they have that experience for him, I think. Um, a lot's been made about Micah being consistent. You know, it's like, yeah, he made the big sack when, when they needed one, but it's just like, dude, where's the pressure, like all game and stuff like that? Well, again, kind of like the, the flip side of Aaron Donald, when it's like when you are the guy, it's just like, well, who are they going to try and neutralize? They're going to try and neutralize Micah Parsons because then it, it, the game becomes a whole lot simpler for the Los Angeles Rams. Luckily for the Dallas defense, they've got a few other guys that can get to the quarterback quickly. Um I'm I'm curious to see if they can, you know, stuff the run a little bit more because, you know, it's it's like maybe that's what the Rams start with to then open up the passing game, I think, because man, you can you can body blow the Cowboys defense with the run game. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Micah doesn't have a sack just because the Rams offensive line's been kind of a mash unit all season and mm -hmm. they don't have the best tackles in the world. I mean, Note Boom's good, but he's been kind of hit or miss this year. Um the D line which is supposed to be the strong point of this defense has kind of been a disappointment over the last few weeks. They're not getting that much pressure. They had a lot of pressure on Herbert, but weren't getting home and weren't actually getting sacks on Herbert before the bye week. Tank Lawrence has been a disappointment all year, um, in my opinion. I mean, he he. If you're going to double team Micah, which everybody's doing, you need someone else to come up big, and and he has not at mm -hmm. all. Um, and he needs to kind of 
come alive this year and in this game to at least free Micah up for some opportunities. Same with Dorrance Armstrong and, and Mozzie and like all these guys, you have to get pressure so Micah doesn't face a triple team every time. Right. Well, I'll, I'll maybe push back on that a little bit. I mean, I, the guys are getting pressure. Sure, it may not result in a sack and stuff like that, but I know I've seen stats being thrown out there where it's just like on you know so many percentage of the plays and stuff like that, they're getting pressures on the quarterback. And sure, it may not result in a sack, or they they may not be hitting whoever it is is throwing the ball, but they're getting to them, and it's causing like we saw at the end of the Chargers game, it's causing those quick throws or errant throws where it it gets into the throwing lanes and the D backs can, the the defensive backs can get in there and and make a play on the ball. So um, they've they've been good getting pressure. I think they keep that up. It's just again, can it can it happen consistently enough throughout the game? To where it's yeah they can really shut shut the offense down the opposing offense down and impose their will. So the spread is Cowboys minus six favored by six points. One do they win? Two do they cover? I don't know about covering. I think they win. Uh, Demarcus Ware is going in the ring of ring of honor. Uh, so a big former, former Bronco. Ah, uh, there Bron- we go. Former Bronco. There player. we go. Cowboys all-time sacks leader as well. Um, <laughs> Super Bowl champion of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think with, I mean, not that that really is going to, you know, bring the juice or anything like that for the defensive guys, but who knows, maybe he's in there in the locker room and he, and he says a word to, you know, Micah and the defensive guys before they go out there and stuff. I, I think the Cowboys win. It's not it's not a big one by any means. I think it's maybe within the the three to four point range. Yeah, I could see this coming down to a field goal, uh, either way, or which Cow- I'm fine with because yeah. trot Brandon Aubrey out there and let's <laughs> kick it and let's go home. Yeah, I mean the, I have him on a few fantasy teams, so I could take a couple of Brandon he Aubrey kicks. is solid, <laughs> dude. He's good. Like uh, that's the best thing about the Cowboys season so yeah. far is that there were so many questions coming in about best, this. Yeah. rookie kicker and he's been dynamite nobody has had to talk about him uh, you know just when mentioned here and there of just yeah how good he's been and then after that it's nothing so that's the best thing that's what you want as a, any special exactly. teams player you don't want anyone talking nope. about you nope. <laughs> i think uh cowboys probably have like are up like a touchdown going into the final possession or up three maybe a possession going into the final possession defense makes a play kind of like in the in the uh, charger game that's probably how I see this one going, just because the it seems like every time Matthew Stafford has a drive nowadays, it, he ends up getting sacked, and it's like a third and 18, and he has to try and bomb one to Cooper Cup, and it mm-hmm. just sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. So uh, I think the Cowboys do win, though. I mean, I would, I would be surprised if they don't. Um, however, they've surprised me a couple times already this year. So yeah. uh, let's get to UC- UTSA. So UTSA, um, they have East Carolina this week. I don't see the point in talking about that one too much just because I think they're going to win that game. They're 18 and a half point favorites, even if they don't cover and they win by 10, it's not really a huge shock. Um, so I wanted to look at something else. Lisa Campos, uh, the AD at UTSA sent out a release early, earlier this week saying that UTSA, the student Bobby voted body voted overwhelmingly against a gradual raising of student athletic fees. So that would have added about $5 million to UTSA's athletic budget by the 2027-28 season. They're now in a bigger conference, which means you have to spend more money, which means you need more money to uh, actually 
compete and and be in these larger conferences and being in the AAC they now have to compete with guys like Tulane and SMU and Memphis who spend 80 to 100 million dollars a year on their athletic programs to me it says that the UTSA student body doesn't give a crap about their their athletic teams and I know Lisa in her quote said I don't believe this is a vote against athletics but when you have a guy like Jeff Trailer who has come out and has been rec- basically three quarters of his job is recruiting and getting money for the program. Right. And then you ask your student body for a gradual increase, which I don't know necessarily what the increase was per student on tuition. Mm-hmm. But when you're asking your student body to help out a little bit and they all 71% vote no, it's not really a vote of confidence in your athletic programs. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, this is kind of a, a weird th- I mean, yeah, okay, a college and an athletic department asking for more money, color color me shocked. Yeah, I mean, it's not new. <laughs> no, and I think this is the second time that a athletic fee has been voted down by the student body in recent memory here uh, by UTSA. Now, just one question that I had. So the $5 million figure that you mentioned here it, it would have raised would that that have been the total five million dollars by the end of by that it would year have been, it would have been five million additional yearly by that year so like the they would have okay. gradually increased it they okay so it would have been less than five million over the next five years so but that, when you got to the full increase from right the 27 28 year it would have been five added five million to their budget yeah um keep well, in mind they have thirty four thousand. 478 sure. students or something yeah, of that nature. But, of course, when people hear, okay, your tuition's going up, okay, what's it going for, and it's this, and, well, how many student, how many students of that 34,000 undergraduate body are actually playing athletics? Not that many. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people hear, hey, it's going to be more money and it's, it's going to be added to your tuition, people are going to balk at that, you know, I think. It's just the way it goes, plus I think in this – day and age of nil and you know harvey najem just donated a bunch of money millions of dollars i think two million at least Mm -hmm. for this year and next year something like that and it's at the sole discretion of trailer trailer. you know it's like when you have donations and and possibilities like that happening it's like sure more money is always nice but you know they're they're just a few more wins away or conference championships away from people really buying in and being like, okay, yeah, here's more NIL money getting pumped in. But the point is like the editor in chief of their student newspaper, and I saw the quote in, um, in the San Antonio express news. I didn't want to put her name down here because I don't want to do that to her or anything, but she said, quote, I definitely thought that this would be leaning towards no, because most of UTSA doesn't care about athletics. Like, when you have the when you have students saying that about your program and you're and you have the community like Harvey Nasium uh, donating so much and you have Jeff Trailer pouring his heart and soul into this and Frank Harris coming back for his seventh year and you have all of these all of these people who are pouring their blood blood sweat and tears into programs like the football program or the basketball program even the track and field or volleyball or whoever insert team name here. It's just kind of it's to me it's kind of a slap in the face, but that's that's coming from a former college athlete, mm-hmm. someone who cares deeply about college athletics. Sure. Well, I think a lot of people do. To say that you know the UTSA student body as a whole doesn't care about athletics, I think that's a little misleading. That sounds like it's a column, you know. Mm-hmm. It, that's not necessarily a report on like what's happened, uh, because you look at you look at UTSA football games. 
the student section, there's a bunch of people there. So sure, they may not be going to a bunch of the other, you know, athletic games or something like that. I know the basketball program, especially the men's, has have has had a tough time. But it's not to say that you know there's there's students that don't care about UTSA athletics. They just don't care about having to pay more money. Yeah, and that's fair. But when you want, if you want the best for your for your programs, Texas A and M isn't Texas A and M without the boosters and people. No, but I mean, look, they've they have a a athletic history of a hundred plus years. UTSA has been playing football for twelve, and yes, they've been playing other sports for a lot longer, and they've been doing well. They've had success at at various levels, you know, in whatever conference that they're in, they've done that. But again, it's just UTSA hasn't been around that long. It's going to take some. It again, it's the whole thing of we we got to know now is is Wimby the goat? Well, okay, it's the same thing here. It's like yes, everybody wants it now, and if if it wasn't done yesterday, it's too late. But it's it's going to take some time, and I think how many alumni does UTSA have that have struck it big in their industry elsewhere where they've got buku amounts of money that it's just like, well, it's too much for me. Maybe I need to give it to somebody. And, oh, yeah, well, let me give it to my alma mater here so they can you know upgrade everything and, and get, get competitive at the competitive level that they need for athletics. That was Zach's way of saying, Matt, calm down. Nah. <laughs> I mean, it's just... I, I get that, yeah, it's frustrating, and, and people see it, oh, oh yeah, they, they need the money. But, again, okay, $5 million, but it wasn't going to happen until 2027, 20, 2028. Yeah, it would have been a million, does, two million I mean, since, until then. Frank Harris is going to be long done playing, you know, and so I mean, is Eddie Lee Marburger and Owen McCown and all well, those sadly, guys. so is Jeff Trailer. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I would love it if Jeff Trailer was still around here in 2027, you know. Hopefully he is because that means – UTSA would have won a lot of football games and hopefully like three more American Conference championships. But, you know, if he keeps going, you know, with the success that he has and the coaching jobs that he's doing, especially with like having all these injuries and missing key guys but still winning games, another program is going to come and just be like, hey, you, you, want, you want the staff, you want the payment, you want to pay your assistant coaches, you want the right players, here we go, we can give this to you. Someone's going to throw a boatload of money at Exactly. They're going to offer a package that is just going to go, it's going to be too good to pass up. Watch, watch uh, Jim Harbaugh be out in Michigan and Jeff Trailer step in. <laughs> there we go. I like it. I like it. it Jeff, I won't be mad. Instead of sign stealing, they're going to steal our coach. Yeah, bastards. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get to the Longhorns real quick. Um Longhorns playing BYU. They are without Quinn Ewers. Uh, they are still 19. Actually, I think it was got up to 20-point favorites just in the last hour and a half that I've written this rundown. Uh, it's now 20-point favorites over BYU in RFK. So how big of a deal is Quinn Ewers not being there? It's big, but they are really big on their quarterback room. Um, Malik Murphy is a dude. Yeah. Like... I remember He's built like a truck. Yeah, no, I remember seeing him uh, down here at the Alamo Bowl practice last year, and it's just like, I know they got Quinn, but it's just like, when is this guy <laughs> going to see some playing time? I mean, it's like the dude can chuck the ball like the entire field, and it and it looks like nothing, um, you know. And of course, it's first game action and every real live game action, you know, where where it's a game that actually counts and it's not mop up duty in in the fourth quarter and a blowout. Um, so I think it'll be fine. Plus, you know. 
they're they're all there in the room, you know, going through practice together and okay, look for this and here's what I see and everything. So I'm sure Quinn's there coaching them up and everything. It's big because I mean, yeah, you're missing the guy who helped beat Alabama for you. But I I, I don't think Texas is is gonna struggle. I mean, maybe they do, but you also got quarterback's best friend and a great run game. Jonathan Brooks is gonna, you know, be your safety valve. So yeah, I mean they have they have a solid team through and through, and they're a t- they're the seventh ranked team in the yeah, in the top, nation for a reason. Top one loss team in the country. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? They're they're the best one loss team in the country, like you just said. And that's not all because of their quarterback. They have a great right. defense. Yep. They have great weapons. They have a great off or decent offensive line. They have great running backs. I mean they they're they're stacked nope. up and down the roster. Just because you're missing your quarterback doesn't mean that you're gonna fall off the wagon or fall off the the edge of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um. I still think it is a big deal just because Quinn oh, is, sure. a, is is a top seven quarterback in yeah. the nation, yeah. um, as, at least according to a lot of draft evaluators and on who's going to be going in the NFL draft this next year. Uh, I do think it's a huge deal for Malik Murphy, though, because you have uh, Arch Manning sitting behind you. Yeah, waiting and, in the wings. And if you throw two picks in the first half, there's going to be a lot of chance against you Sure, in this first half. And then even then... Coming into this offseason, you're going to want to look at some film. And if you're transferring or if Arch is transferring or with this transfer portal, you need to put good film on tape every single time you can. And so having good plays, having being able to look back at this BYU game and say, yeah, I threw for four touchdowns and 350 yards, and mm-hmm. I'm looking to get out of here because I'm already being replaced mm-hmm. is a big deal for him. Yeah, that's motivation for sure, yes. And I think looking at it from a team perspective, it's just like, if they still want to have a shot at winning a Big 12 championship, they need to win while Quinn is out, so then that way they can get back and still be in the picture of a Big 12 championship come around December, which I think they'll do uh, because they're going to be favored, I think, pretty much in every game the rest of the way on their schedule. So, you know, I think – and Malik's been in the system. You know, he, he kind of knows it, and I think Sark's going to help him along the way and everything just with play calling and stuff. So, and like you said, they've got a great team. There's weapons all over the place. Xavier Worthy, Jordan Winnington, Adonai Mitchell. It's just like it's it's an embarrassment of riches. It's an embarrassment of riches for Texas. So I think they're going to do just fine. Plus, being back at home, that helps. So, yeah. I do agree with you. If if it goes wonky or if it's just, <laughs> you know, they start getting nervous in that second quarter, people are going to be, you know, calling. But who knows? Maybe it's like a two-quarterback system where, you know, it's like they can rotate the guys. It's like, all right, you get a couple drives and the other guy gets a couple drives and it just flip-flops. Speaking of speaking of two-quarterback systems, what is this Tennessee Titans game going to look like on, on Sunday? You see that they're playing I, Malik Willis and Will Levis. They're playing both of them. I, <laughs> How do you yeah. do that in the NFL? Well... Who knows? I mean, the Tennessee Titans are just, you know, I don't know. I know it's, they're it, there. It's just, it's just, I saw that and I was like, what the hell is it's happening? Also, it's also the AFC South. So it's the same thing. What with, you know, right. Do I have that right? AFC? No. Yeah. They're the AFC South. Okay. So they're with there the with the Texans, Texans and the Saints. And the, no, the Saints are NFC. They're with okay. The, yeah. The, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. Jags. So Jags, Texans. Colts. Yeah. It's just kind of like, eh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like every, you know, I, I really think the Texans, man, they can they can sneak into a play. You know, CJ Stroud's so good. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, man, it's you know, go out and win a division title. Um. So you think Longhorns beat BYU? Uh, oh, as, as, handily, as, as handily. You look for, but as you look forward to K State next week, huge game to get to sure. Big Twelve. Is that one in Manhattan, Little Apple? Let me look real quick. I think so, but let me double check. 
Do you think that they? Cover, I don't have the do you Texas think that the Longhorns, Longhorns cover the nineteen. Um. So Houston gave them fits. You know, it, it looked like they were going to cruise in the first half, and then you know, back comes Houston. It was a tie game in the third quarter. Um, I I'm, I don't know much about BYU. Of course, another Big Twelve newcomer and everything. Sure, maybe they are peeking ahead to to Kansas State a little bit. A, a team that also you know. Gives them, gives them fits. Okay, so two home games back-to-back. Um, I, I think they're going to be just fine against BYU. I, I don't, you know, Oklahoma's fully passed them now. I mean, it, it should have been that way in Houston because it's like they had a bye week and then they played Houston. I think BYU, they're, they're going to cruise. They're, they'll, they'll be just fine. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll, I think they'll BYU will probably cover the 20 on like a backdoor situation, but yeah, it, it won't be. It's not like this, it's game's, gonna be this in, game's not going to be in question. It's going to be in hand. It's, you know, they, they shouldn't have any issues. All right, dude. That's all we got for you, for everybody today on the uh, Friday edition of the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. We're going to go uh, get ready for a busy night of high school football and Rangers and Spurs and you name it. We're going to go get ready for it right now. We're three quarters of the way to a sports equinox tonight, I guess. Yeah, but there, but like what, like I said, there There's is college, college football. Charlotte's playing tonight, man. All right, hey, <laughs> American American Conference foe, there, you know. Biff, is there anybody better than Biff? <laughs> what a name, Charlotte. What a what name. A name. I just think of Biff and Back to the Future. But he was also he was coaching the other day in like a cutoff shirt and like a V neck cutoff, and I was just like. There's there's what a vibe. A, what a legend. Yeah, like, bringing, bringing that look to the <laughs> sideline. Yeah, I love it. Remember, you can download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Just, you know, just let them know. Spread the word. Spread the word. We'll, get, we'll be back on Monday, as always. Until then, have a great weekend. Go Devils. They are playing against, uh, who are they playing against this week? Oh, Oregon State. So, go Devs. What I tell you about Arizona State, they're surprising some people, man. Dude, they, they should have beat Washington last week. And they almost, they were in it with USC, like I told you they they've, would they've, be. They've covered all their Pac-12 games so far. They're in it. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.